welcome to the Mind Over MRKH podcast. I'm Ella May, the founder and director of Vava Womb and Mind Over MRKH, and I'll be talking all things MRKH, aka Mayer Rokitansky Kuster Hauser Syndrome, aka Malariogenesis. I am one of the one in 5,000 female babies born worldwide without or an underdeveloped womb, cervix and vaginal canal. On this podcast, I'll be talking all things MRKH from pleasure to dilating, mental and sexual health, fertility and navigating your MRKH journey. I'll be joined by advocates and experts along the way. This podcast aims to support the production and printing of the MRKH magazine project, where we aim to produce, print and post a magazine to our global MRKH community. If you want to join me on this podcast or ask me a question, pop me an email over at mindovermrkh at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at mindovermrkh. You are not alone. You are worthy and you are loved. because this is the first episode where I've interviewed two people in one go. Today I've got Vix and TK who are both co-directors of the amazing platform MRKH Stars for newly diagnosed people with MRKH. They are doing a phenomenal job and I cannot wait to speak to both of them at the same time. Vix is a second year university student, English tutor MRKH advocate and the founder of MRKH Stars, a peer support network and advocacy group for young and newly diagnosed MRKHs, which she founded in April 2021 and now jointly runs with her partner in crime and close friend TK, who is also on the podcast today. Fix has a passion and love for literature and writing and with input from the community around her, is growing this on her journey as an advocate. Vic saw a need for support for MRKH as earlier on in their journey and, inspired by one of her biggest cheerleaders and supporters, Gemma, went on to create MRKH Stars with the aim of providing young and newly diagnosed MRKHs with the same comfort and support that Gemma provided her. Also on the podcast today we have TK. TK works full-time as a nursery practitioner as well as studying for her Level 3 NVQ. TK became co-director of Stars alongside her good friend Vix in October. TK was diagnosed with MRKH two years ago. Since her diagnosis, she has shared her story through social media, stars and news articles. TK wanted to help spread awareness of MRKH and support those newly diagnosed in their journey. One of the ways TK does this is by running the Shooting Stars Buddy Scheme for Stars, which we can't wait to hear more about today. We had some technical difficulties, so it's the third time that me, Vix and TK have said hello. Hi, Vix and TK. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> How are you, Vix? Good, good. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. I have got COVID, but I'm fine. And TK, how are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. Good. Um, we're going to start off with something a little bit different, and it's basically five words. So Vic, could you describe MRKH in five words when you were first diagnosed? Yeah, um, relieved at having answers because um, it was a long time coming. Broken because I felt broken, but we're not broken. So it's just the first feeling. Um, scared, insecure and anxious. And how about you, TK? I had hurt because it really hurt to be told that I couldn't get pregnant after... Mm. 
18 years of thinking I could. Scared, like isolated because I knew no one with the condition. Confused and it didn't feel real. It felt like a dream. Which decisions I want to make. I think I agree with all of those. I feel like both of your diagnosis of MRKH was kind of not that long ago as well. So um, so anyway, introductions. Um, so we've obviously got Vix and TK from MRKH Stars. Uh, Vix, do you want to introduce yourself and give us a little bit about your diagnosis story? Yeah, um, I'm Vix, I'm 19, and I'm the founder and director of MRKH Stars, which is for young and newly diagnosed MRKHs. I was diagnosed about two and a half years ago, so July 2019, um, started looking into it in the February of that year. So I turned 17 on the 8th and then kind of the week after it was like, we now need to friend the doctors because this is getting concerning. Um, it was a bit of a process and it was a lot of like bouncing between NHS and private doctors. So it made it more complicated. Um, but a lot was, of bouncing from what I yeah. remember. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and especially after I was diagnosed actually that was probably where it was more bouncy I think mm -hmm. I was with four London hospitals at one point because they all couldn't get it right so um, one of your words bouncy bouncy that's not six yeah um but to go to get to diagnosis it was a GP appointment blood test but I had to go twice because they couldn't do it the first time um an ultrasound and then we went private so consultations with gynecologist and the hormone specialist I can't remember the word for one of them um MRI more blood tests another consult and then I think I was diagnosed I think that's roughly accurate but that's kind of how it went so it was quite long and complicated but yeah so how long ago was that again so that was uh about two and a half years ago so 2019 so Vic's diagnosed two and a half years ago is now a worldwide MRKH advocate everyone <laughs> <laughs> and I know I sort of have a little giggle but it does make me feel like warm inside that there's people your age and you like TK who obviously speak to TK as well but just coming into this world as such newly diagnosed people and making such a difference for other people so you, you guys are smashing it um and TK you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your diagnosis story as well definitely hi I'm TK I am 20 I am a director of STARS and I was diagnosed just over two years ago, back in October. I first went to the doctors because I was 17 and hadn't started my period. So I had a GDP appointment and they sent me for a blood test, which led to an ultrasound. And I made a mistake of having a fizzy drink at that. Oh, no. I had an emergency ultrasound the next week and the same day, the following week, I had another GP appointment. I then saw a private gynecologist. I had an MRI. And then I finally got diagnosed. And though it took seven months for me to get diagnosed from that first GP appointment. Seven months. So you guys had quite a similar long, like elongated process of diagnosis, didn't you really? Um, I was going to ask you both so I guess you're both such similar ages but did you go to the same hospitals or were you at completely different hospitals because Vix might be able to tell me a bit about the difference between your stories seeing as you're kind of the same age being diagnosed but both had a completely different experience so what do you think those kind of differences were between you both um I don't know I think 
I, I think the main difference was yours was probably from what it sounds like is TK's was treated as more of an emergency than mine was mm. mine was very much like just wait it out and kind of you know there was no emergency tests or any rushed appointments it was all kind of I think right when I was going through tests my gynecologist was on like annual leave or something for like three weeks mm. so that didn't help but there was no rush to come back it was all like oh my next clinic just pop in we'll go through your results it was all very kind of relaxed and informal which was nice because I didn't feel worried and I didn't feel rushed or anything mm. but it was still like it was it was serious like I think I don't know how I would have coped if it was treated as a an emergency I think I would have got really worked up about it because you would panic a bit more I don't know but that's the main thing I can sort of pinpoint between the two of us and what about the support what support did you get TK when it came to your diagnosis in terms of like mental health and psychological support where you were yeah in um so I got diagnosed on the 8th of October and mm. then just over a month I was straight to Queen Charlotte's to have support from the whole of my hospital mm. team and they're amazing there as well and did you go there as well quite soon after Vic so did you kind of get well, you were bouncing around a bit. <laughs> I was bouncing around for a year, mm. uh, over a year, about a year and two weeks. Um, so my support at the start, when I tell you it was you, LMA and Gemma, that was it. Mm. That was all I had. I Other than like family and friends, but they didn't know what to say or mm. to do. So I had you. And I think I think your blog was anonymous at that time. I, I'm pretty sure it was still anonymous. Um, I was yeah I think I yeah because I was well I will have to check the days actually because there was you can see on my Instagram the date that I started posting my face <laughs> mm -hmm. so yeah there's a very like clear kind of you I can literally scroll through I'll have to I'll have to scroll through and figure out I can't remember what time I was um but yeah it's crazy isn't it that you just had a couple of people mm -hmm. you found yourself online rather than through like the medical yeah, world yeah. and that's it's just so sad that that was like and the, the same for so many people being diagnosed but there is so much support out there it's just a shame that people end up looking for it themselves and um obviously there's charities that have been going on for a while it just depends what you see and what you find and where you <laughs> where you look um and TK how about you with um other support so you obviously went to Queen Charlotte's and how did you find the did you go to any of the meetings with them or anything like that no I didn't go to any of the meetings it's only within the last well, probably six months actually that I've really connected to uh, my coaches over line and Vix was pretty much the first person that I reached out to and really connected with and I've got such a great friendship and a huge support buddy yeah oh you guys are so lovely I think Don't it's so nice when people cry. find <laughs> oh, there's so many people with um oh, oh guys <laughs> there's so many people Vix is now in tears <laughs> 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 there's so many I've cried on this podcast multiple times um yeah there's so many people that are out there and I think it's just you find that person or that group small group of people that people connect with and I think we'll go into you guys and your mission but I think one of the biggest things is just people not feeling alone in that first few days and you just don't know where to look when you're like traumatized and not really knowing where to go I, I had no idea what I was doing back when I was like 10 years ago 13 years ago um so yeah I'm, I'm sort of glad that things are moving but I think even even though there's so much online it's still hard to sort of figure out where you go and where to look but um luckily things are getting easier and easier so 
Vix, as a teenager, what were your biggest sort of MRKH fears when you were, well, you're still, I know that you're still a teenager now, but when you were um, both newly diagnosed, what were, your, what were your biggest fears? It was definitely, I know we had, we kind of say it's like a two-pronged diagnosis and it's the, the baby thing and the dilation thing. That's mm. kind of the way that I always saw it and it's the way that it's kind of discussed online to an extent. Um, it was always the baby thing. It was always the fact that I couldn't have a baby. That is what got me the most. I remember the day after one of my scans, I went into school. Um, one of my teachers was like, oh my God, how was your scan? Tell me everything. And I remember just screaming at the top of my lungs, I can never have a baby. Burst into tears. Like the whole school were like, oh my God. Like everyone who was there was just like, oh my God, what is wrong with her? Like, mm. But that was always the thing that was on my mind. And the dilation thing. I didn't really think about it. it was always a like when I started seeing Queen Charlotte's finally and getting support because I was given sort of it was always surgery was the option until I was in Queen Charlotte's and they were like no and LMA you would I remember you saying to me no mm, <laughs> yeah that's the other options and you needed to hear yeah. those and yeah yeah I remember going into Queen Charlotte's um and a few times Michelle has been like would you are you ready and I was always just like nope 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 and mm. I, I never even opened myself up to think about it until a couple of months ago when I was like actually I'm in like the best headspace to think about taking this step mm. but now it's an insecurity whereas before it wasn't so it's kind of like the baby thing is still there but in my mm. head I'm like that that feels quite distant and I the grief is still there and I still have sad days and I still cry about it and I still mm. call TK and have moments where we just scream about it but I think right now dilation is the thing that I think about probably slightly more because mm -hmm. it's more imminent no definitely and and how about you TK what have been your kind of biggest fears since being diagnosed or things that you've maybe struggled with a bit more than um others yeah well again the baby thing it's always there and it will continue to be there until mm. I have my family but for me, the biggest fear was like talking to guys and getting into relationships, knowing that at some point I was going to have to sit them down and be like, look, I can't get pregnant. Mm. This is a condition I have. And it's sort of like facing those situations. Um, how do I explain it? So, mm. yeah, it's always been a big fear. And um, we'll just go on to sort of how you will go with TK first, just because of what you've just said. But when it comes to telling other people and I know that's been a big fear and it probably is a big fear for so many newly diagnosed and it was for me when I was newly diagnosed um so we can touch on disclosure a little bit so how did you overcome that fear of kind of telling other people I um I post about it a lot on my Instagram I share the stuff we do on stars to spread as much awareness to not just people with the condition but to anyone who could be facing conversations and like could be a parent of an amicature a partner so that when I came to relationship they would have a bit of a background knowledge of me and my condition so it would just lift weight off my shoulders mm. they've already got the idea and have you had any like awkward questions TK when it comes to when you've shared because obviously there's I know that you did your story um, very publicly which is amazing everyone was so proud of you in uh, a newspaper recently so what were your when you did that 
did you kind of get more questions around like Vic said it's like two pronged there's the vagina element the sort of baby element um so yeah, did you get did you have any kind of feelings afterwards where you felt a bit uncomfortable with um things yeah. that were shared yeah I got a lot of questions about dilation mm. and it was like that was kind of awkward so I haven't done it yet so it's trying mm. to explain what it was and also getting them to understand that I'm not entirely sure because I haven't done it so I've got no experience to share mm. than someone who's been through it so yeah they were some awkward questions <laughs> and how about you Vix when, when it came to telling people how did you kind of overcome those fears of talking openly about MRKH I know you did it quite um, soon didn't you so yeah and you've actually just written about that on your mm -hmm. Instagram so <laughs> you need to go and check out Vix's yeah. Instagram <laughs> um I think one of the things that I, I said it this morning on my post and I will continue to say it is that I shared my story slightly too soon. Um, so I shared it in lockdown, which in a way it was like a lockdown project. And whereas my friends were like, go for it, that's brilliant. They weren't seeing the battle that I was fighting because we weren't seeing them because we were all stuck at home. Um, and I shared it and I sort of just blurted out my story in not the most articulate way possible because I hadn't quite found my niche with writing yet mm. but I think now well I haven't had to have the conversation for quite a long time um because people already know um and I normally say the way that I sort of do it is I almost flip it from being a bad thing to a good thing so that people especially people who love me don't then panic that I'm not okay so if I'm with people that I haven't seen for a while or who don't quite know my story, I'd say something like, oh yeah, I run a foundation. Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, oh, what for? And I'd be like, oh, for teen infertility. If people I didn't want to tell, I'd kind of umbrella term it more. Um, and then they'd be like, oh, why did you decide to do that? And I'd sort of say, oh, because I was born without a womb. I live with a condition called MRKH and it means I can't have a baby. So that's why I do what I do and they are always like wow that's amazing and it almost takes away from the diagnosis and focuses more on stars so especially now I just flip the focus um, and it takes the conversation a different way and it sort of avoids the questions and then I, I always get the oh you okay and I'm like yeah I'm living my best life like I kind of even if I'm not yeah. you sort of just blanket and then I'll come home and text the UK and be like hey that's yeah. it. <laughs> But that's the thing you've got each other and sometimes people have that pressure to share and Ali actually made a really good point it's kind of sharing isn't coping and I've even been through that where I've overshared and overshared and kept writing and kept writing and I'm actually having a personal break from writing a lot about my own story just because I needed that gap and wanted to just listen to other people so I get what you mean about needing that kind of break from sharing what would your advice Vix um, be to someone else sharing their story or, or thinking about sharing their story? I think I feel like people might say this quite a lot but only tell what you want to tell don't go into all of it if you don't want to I barely ever mention the vagina thing especially to my guy mates because the questions they ask yeah. not being funny <laughs> as a general rule it's a lot more blunt and it's a lot more wait so can you have sex and it's kind of mm. that sort of question and I'm kind of like this is awkward I don't want to ask that. I don't have to sit and talk about this um so I often don't tell the vagina bit anyway and I've always kind of done that that old even now I think it's been two and a half years and I normally I always lead with I can't have a baby mm. which you can but can't carry a baby yeah. rather than I haven't got a vagina so that's why I think I get a lot of news articles are like I was born without a vagina and I'm always like 
ah, like I don't, I just, I don't, I don't know. Reading that is always like, it feels more taboo than the baby thing. I don't know why, but that's what people then question. Whereas if it's a baby thing, it's more pity. And if it's a vagina thing, it's more kind of curiosity, Mm -hmm. I tend to find, which is really bizarre, but that's kind of just what I've noticed from, especially being at uni, a lot of new people in a very short space of time is a lot of disclosures. So I think the biggest piece of advice I'd say is just tell what you want to tell. You don't have to tell them everything. Like mm. you just, there's just no need to. It's what you feel comfortable with. And sort of, I think know your own boundaries, I think is a big thing. Boundaries are huge. Like if you don't want to say something, just don't say it and don't feel pressured in saying it. It's your body, it's your diagnosis. Don't feel you have to go into it if you don't want to. Absolutely. And also like your post said earlier, you don't have to share at all to feel like proud and feel um happy that you've kind of people have overcome ever mrkh before and not shared their story ever so it's kind of you can yeah. live a happy life without sharing it um and how about you tk in terms of going public i know that we just spoke about your public story with the sort of different titles it had what would your advice be to someone wanting to go public and what the kind of lessons learned from doing that no that's absolutely fine it's so my piece of advice would be only when you're ready mm. and again like Vic said only share what you want to share because there's a world up there that will be curious. So when I went public, I got a lot of questions and I also got a lot of hate for going out and spreading this awareness, which I then messaged LMA and Vix and was like, oh, I think I made a terrible mistake. But actually it was just people there who just wanted a bit of drama out of it and a bit of a rise so I just need to block them out and be like, no, I'm doing it for the right reasons. Mm. I'm sharing what I want to share and I'm sharing it because I was ready to share it and spread this awareness. And yeah, I will continue to spread the awareness. I love that. And I think that advice is so important for young people and anyone sharing their story. Because I actually get messages from people who are 39, 40, who haven't ever been public because I think the stigma kind of, is increases the more years we go back (laughs) um and I've just said the same just don't feel like you have to just because you've seen other people doing it and and actually there's a amazing quote just that says when sharing your story you hold the pen and that's the main thing is that you need to have control of it and sometimes we lose control I've lost control when someone's asked me can I share your story can we have the title as born without a vagina I've said no they've then not gone with me as that person to share and I think I feel like we have to like you said Vix have boundaries and be proud of saying no we need to protect ourselves and protect our stories and protect other people as well um because when we share our MRKH stories we kind of have that responsibility to be a public description and voice for MRKH people um but you guys have done so well with just sharing your stories and talking about it after um I was going to ask what your favorite MRKH quotes were randomly but I've put it put it on there so what's Vix what's your favorite MRKH quote so it's actually one by Ali. Um, so, and it's on our website as well, because me and Ali call like about once a week and we just kind of sit and chat and catch up. And she said to me once, it's always good to stand on our own two feet, but it's also good to hold hands whilst we do it. And I just think I it's the most apt thing anyone's ever said. Like this diagnosis, you can't go through it alone. You, I just, I just don't think you can. Like, I don't see peer support as being a, like a, a luxury I think it's needed I think it's a necessity um and I've noticed that from my journey I mean if it wasn't for ULMA and Jem I would have gone to the wrong hospital and had the wrong surgery and it would have been in loads of pain so without the peer support I would have 
really like struggled more than I already have done so mm. I kind of that's kind of why I picked that quote and I, I stand stuck by that. with you for a while yeah oh well I know that it was really hard times but I'm so glad that I was there and I think equally you're there for other people being diagnosed it's just that domino effect of someone is always there um mm -hmm. and how about you TK what's your favorite quote for MRKH uh, my favorite quote is MRKH may have challenged me but I'm stronger because of it I've been for a rocky path I've faced challenges but I am stronger because of it and I've got a whole army of warriors behind me supporting me so I will forever be strong <laughs> yes I love that you have got an army we are an army that's amazing <laughs> Um, so can we jump on to MRKH stars, which is obviously where you um, have both been joined at the hip as stars. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess if you can start, Vix, just telling us about a bit about stars and then TK can maybe tell us a bit about um, the buddy scheme, if that's all right. So, yeah, go for it. Tell us more. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> it was towards the end of April. Um where I just wanted a platform for people who were new to the community and newly diagnosed and sort of I feel like a lot of narration is done in the past and I've, I'm, I've there's been stuff on this recently but a lot of narration is done in the past and I kind of wanted to fill the gap of younger people to go through it almost with the community but in a positive way rather than as a social media coping skill kind of thing um, but that's kind of where stars became like a thing is to be there for younger people. Um, TK joined the team in pretty sure it was May of that year. And then she was kind of just there. We didn't really chat that much on a one-to-one. It was kind of, she was just sort of another person. And then I don't know, I think you messaged me about, I can't even remember why. Bracelet. You messaged, <laughs> it was the bracelets. You messaged me about the bracelets. We then decided let's FaceTime let's just chat and we the first call it must have been a good like two or three hours like I missed dinner my parents were like what where is she like they thought I'd gone out <laughs> I was on the phone for ages and I came off the phone and I was just like yes this is TK is the person she's my person this is going somewhere I could just feel it something clicked and I must have been a couple of weeks later I kind of made her my second star um and we kind of just started growing from there we were kind of just we sort of shared the account from there like we were both sort of answering messages a bit dipping into different stuff um and it was just nice to have a sounding board to go through projects with because doing stuff on your own when you're the only person in your age group is really hard and actually it's quite draining when you feel like you're carrying a whole sort of niche by yourself mm. so having somebody there just so much lighter um we kind of got our skates on started to work hard we just carried on building a friendship and stars at the same time it got bigger we got more followers we were doing more work in the community more collabs more projects tk was on holiday i think you were on holiday yes <laughs> because i was missing her because i just couldn't cope without her honestly separation anxiety was just through the roof yeah I was like I miss you so much and then I was like hey I haven't told you but I'm thinking about this for about a month but do you want to become a co-director and we can kind of do everything 50 50 and you were just like yeah <laughs> so it kind of just happened um and then I think from that the first thing I gave TK was I was like hey 
we've started this buddy scheme, but I, I just can't get it off the ground. It's not working. Something in my head isn't quite clicking to make this work. I think it's sort of doing too much other stuff. Mm. Can you take over? And you were just like, yeah, absolutely. Of course I will. He took it over and now it is what it is. So I think this is the perfect time for you to now maybe chat about it a bit. Yeah, definitely. If that's all right, so if that's the yeah, go for it. Yeah, tell us about the body scheme and also yeah. like how you felt, TK, when you um, when you joined. So, what was that sort of feeling of knowing that you were doing something with Vix with the community? Did it feel like really good? It's at that stage of your life and sharing, and I think that's the kind of next advocacy step, isn't it? Is finding something and finding your thing to do and slotting in somewhere. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it just felt so nice being able to be there to support other people and help them through like the first stages of the diagnosis and yeah just because I didn't really have anyone at the start apart from Queen Charlotte so it's nice to be there for them and knowing that I was helping spread this awareness and really Mm -hmm. supporting people so that's lovely and then in October when Vix gave me the shooting stars buddy scheme it was a bit like, whoa, <laughs> this is a lot. <laughs> but I was so excited to be co-director and be able to have this responsibility. And it was the perfect thing for me because I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to have someone there for these people who have just been diagnosed or just coming out about their story. They don't need to be just diagnosed. So, yeah, it was really lovely to create shooting stars to give MLKHs a chance to reach out and talk to other MLKHs who understood their experiences of what they were going through. It's really lovely. Yeah, no, I love, I do love the shooting stars idea. And where, and with the sort of buddy scheme and shooting stars, how does someone find a buddy? So is it sort of linked to um, any of the hospitals at all or is it kind of is that one of the stages it's happening I don't know much about it at the moment but <laughs> so how yeah so how do people find you and how do people find a buddy if they if they need one or have or ask you for one yeah so we have a great team of eight buddies from all over the place to fit for anybody and we're hoping to really continue to grow that team to get down right down to everyone having someone that they have something in common with or can really really connect with we have um we post about it a lot on our instagram Mm. and vix has such a good idea of if you don't want to send a message the shooting star emoji you can just send it to us and we're like right we know what this person wants they want a buddy no words needed so yeah just message us, email us, and we'll sort it for you. We'll find the perfect match for you. And again, if you're not happy, we're happy to switch up because we want what's best for you guys. Oh, that's amazing. And can you tell us a bit, um, I guess both of you around what, any insights or secrets of what's coming for stars and what does the future look like for stars? (laughs) Um, I mean, I think at the moment, we're stuck in a rut of a bunch of like official registration stuff and it is a bloody nightmare. It's horrible. Um, it's horrible. I hate it. Uh, <laughs> but that's kind of where we're at right now is that we're trying to get some 
some official stuff just sorted um yeah. so then we can sort of like so we are connected with queen charlotte mm. and i'm thinking next step is to connect with i think it's ucla to the other one with a consultant potentially i think it's those maybe connect with them and just sort of say who we are um but they all like queen charlotte's and iron they've sort of said if you need like we will direct people to your sort of place if we need to um they're there it's all quite like it, it is growing it's it kind of comes in peaks and troughs there will be some times where it'll be huge and sometimes where it's kind of it will quieten down for a bit um but i think for the immediate future we are hopefully so imogen who's on our team is running a really cool music-based project and actually so me and tk are doing a really cool thing that we can't say anything about yet but we have two, <laughs> two music-based projects in the pipeline. Oh, that's so cool. Um, one of them by me and TK and one of them by Imogen. It's just kind of, as everything, logistics. So once we've ironed out the logistics and all the boring stuff, it should be really fun, hopefully quite interactive um, oh, and a good place for sort of people all over the community to come and get involved with us. So. Hopefully that sounds like an ad. Oh my god! I'm excited. <laughs> I'm trying not to plug. Did you say music? I'm... Something music based. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I think it's just nice because you guys are obviously younger, not in a patronising way, but you can. You're going to think of stuff that people like. I because what I try and do is remember me back in when I was 16 and go, how? What did I want? How did I feel? But you guys are young and you do know what people want and how they feel. Not what everyone like everyone, but. Um, so I think it's just so nice that there's people like you out there who are younger wanting to provide the support and thinking of people all I would say is just look after yourselves because and also we're all here for you as well so that's the main thing with advocacy is we've got other advocates around and we can support you and um, so yeah you guys are smashing it and Stars is doing so so well um, so I'm excited I'm excited about the music thing <laughs> Um, so alongside sort of stars and advocacy, what do you guys get up to? So you're at uni, aren't you? How's, how's all that going? Yeah, so um, I'm in my second year of an English degree. Sounds really boring. Some parts of it are. No, it <laughs> um, Sounds no, hard. Trust me, some bits <laughs> are boring. <laughs> we are getting there. I'm about halfway through my degree now, which is mad because that, that's gone so fast. Um I also work as an English tutor so I have a homeschooled kid that I like teach teach and then I have some other kids that I like tutor like after school kind of thing um so that's kind of that's and then when I'm not doing that it's like stars or sitting on the phone to TK because the amount of times we say we'll do stars work on the phone and then we just don't you just chat like, <laughs> honestly almost must be like once a week we just sit on the phone and just talk absolute rubbish for about three hours like but I think we kind of, we have nights now where we plan to have nights together. So we'll say this night in the month, we will do like make a pact to just not even think about work, not even pressure ourselves to do it. Sit on the phone, have a few drinks, make some cocktails, talk rubbish. Yeah. Just, that's kind of what we do. And that is how we kind of spend time with each other because we live so far apart. I mean, to get to where TK is from me at uni, because I'm in Leicester, so not close to her at all it's I must be I think it's about 80 quid to get down there and oh, as much wow. as I love you it's extortionate so, <laughs> I'm just gonna have to do on my student loan budget um but yeah I am a bit of a busy bee I'm kind of manic with projects and work and stuff all the time and trying to absorb student life as much as I can 
before oh, and you're smashing all of it and how about you TK outside of kind of stars and advocacy world are you working doing uni or anything else I at the moment I'm working I work yeah. in a nursery looking after two to three year olds which is crazy but so rewarding and just yeah lovely alongside oh. that I'm studying for an MVQ which isn't so fun because I'm not a coursework person <laughs> neither am I <laughs> Good. and then I'm also in a musical theatre choir so, yeah. oh amazing oh that's so cool so I guess TK how do you balance kind of like your well I guess work life but work and stars and stars is kind of work as well so work work life balance <laughs> um, and, and how do you look after your mental health so every Wednesday of the week I shut off stars I have a day off work and it's all about me <laughs> yes yeah. love that I give myself a good break <laughs> so do you do anything in particular on those days or is it just anything and everything about you <laughs> anything about me it can be a lion be going out for a drink with my friends I usually have choir on those days so I go and sing with them have oh. a good laugh and yeah and then we need to go to the pub afterwards how about you Vix how do you look after your mental health through your busy bee lifestyle mm. I mean anyone who knows me closely and is listening to this will say you're a liar um because I suck at looking after myself <laughs> um and as much as I say I have nights out and I have fun they probably don't do as often as I should when you mm. when you kind of look back and you think I've kind of been out like once a month which is a bit pathetic um but I would say just things like turning my phone off every once in a while, which I don't do very often, mm. but there will be some evenings where me and my housemates will be like, right, we're going to watch a film. So I would just like get a glass of wine, put my phone, give it to my housemates, who will then be like, like don't even look at it because it will, it buzzes all the time. Like TK's does too. It's just always going. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I think that's a big one is that's mm. the thing that tends to quite fancy training is the phone um and especially with stars it's like journalists and other projects and collabs and stuff all the time mm -hmm. which is brilliant but sometimes I'm just like leave me alone um mm -hmm. so things like going to the gym and taking my phone but putting it on airplane mode so I can just have music um which I don't go enough but again something I should mm -hmm. be doing more. um calling TK because when we're on the phone I then won't look at notifications because we'll just be sat on the phone just talking mm -hmm. Um, I think, yeah, it's just minor things. So I don't really do days off. I kind of do like hours off, if that makes sense. So I'll be like, right, here's two hours here. Here's two hours here. This is my time to like chill. That's kind of how I tend to work rather than having a block of a day. Um, but that kind of is what works for me. Um, I think what about, I was going to ask both of you actually around, we've spoken a little bit about your diagnosis story, but not that much around MRKH and your kind of um, current stage of MRKH. So I know earlier you touched on dilating VIX and you're, um, you haven't done it yet, but you're kind of um, going through uh, speaking to people about it and, and looking into it. So what, what, how are you feeling at the moment? What's going on in your, as much as you want to tell us about your MRKH life and, and how are you feeling around all of that at the moment? Yeah. Um... I'm quite good at shutting off the emotions, which is bad. Like anyone listening to this, 
don't do that because I've been mm. told off 500 times by Gemma for doing that and she's like stop doing that <laughs> she's always like you're doing it again stop it um but yeah I think right now I am in a blockout stage because mm. I'm sort of waiting for appointments to come through and that waiting game is the worst thing mm. of like a waiting to meet the nurse and waiting to get a date to start dilation and I think that's worse mm. it's just having to wait is I'm just like I just want to know the date then I can sort of plan around it um but I would say yeah I think just right now with the diagnosis itself I'm in quite a comfortable place like I don't I'm not hating on it too much I do I, I mean last week I literally was but right now I'm not so much and I, I kind of go week like up and down by like a week so like this is my first week of uni this week so I've kind of MRKH isn't really in the forefront it's kind of uni work don't kind of get my head too into advocacy mm. um, but I think yeah that's kind of how I do it is very much like peaks and troughs right now I'm okay but last week I totally wasn't mm. so, yeah sorry girls I need to cough I need to I had one of those awful tickles and I was sort of going uh, uh. um right cut that out um TK how about you how are you sort of feeling in yourself at the moment with your MRKH journey yeah well like it's weird because like Vix again <laughs> I am currently waiting for an appointment which is in May so I've got this wow. long period of not getting to my next stage quite yet and yeah blocking it out and yeah like and like a hate was that mm. which is bad because then I forget I have it and I will make jokes to myself and then cry about it later which is quite bad <laughs> and then I panic fixed because I messaged her and we both panicked together so <laughs> that's really bad <laughs> But you've got each other again that's what I keep falling back to is those moments of just needing each other you are there um so yeah so you're you've got an appointment in May what's it at Queen Charlotte's yeah yeah so in sort of like you guys waiting for appointments and stuff I guess MRKH is just MRKH and when you're doing advocacy work you're probably trying to put your own MRKHs to one MRKH journeys to one side to kind of support other people yeah um so like a, yeah looking after your mental health is absolutely so important and I know that you both promote and encourage other people to do the same so I'm glad to hear that um you are doing that because I personally had a bit of a few wobbles when I started advocacy and a few kind of up and like you said up and down up and down and I was so adamant and like um sort of I guess uh, sort of inspired by being out there and being public but it is overwhelming and it's bloody hard sometimes when you're speaking to 10 20 different girls at one time and you're and I've got dms coming out my ear holes and you guys are probably the same and the, as much as you want to do it it's like you said you tk you take your and vix you take your wednesdays off and i think that's just so so good just to turn off and switch off and because you're not obliged to be there um but you're you're choosing to be there and that's like that's the biggest thing um so yeah again you guys are smashing it and you're doing really well and I'm so glad the younger people that have MRKH have got you um so I guess we'll end on you both of you giving messages to the next person so either your younger self or the next person being diagnosed so Vix what is your message to the next person being diagnosed with MRKH I think just don't try and go through it on your own like you 
there is a whole world of support out there. I know we've touched on that already, but you're not alone. And there is a whole world of supporters just waiting for your message. That's why we're here. That's why we do like, don't ever, ever, ever feel like a burden for reaching out because we, like, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't needed and if we didn't want to help. So just get in touch and don't try and do it on your own because it's, it's just too isolating, too challenging and too tricky. Support is a necessity and we're here to provide that. I love that. And how about you, TK? What's your message to the next person being diagnosed? My message is there will be days where it's hard and you'll want to cry all day. But just remember, if it's a hard day, it's not the end of your story. It always gets better. And there is a great community of MRKHs out there that are there to support you. And we want to support you. So when you're ready, just reach out because we're here to talk and we're here to help you whatever way you want. Oh, guys, you make my heart warm. Um, but no, that's so true. You guys, no one is alone with MRKH. Um, and these two and the rest of the Styles team are doing such an amazing job at providing that support alongside different charities and um, other advocates around the world. So thank you so much, Vix and TK, for coming on the podcast. And I'll see thank you soon. You. <laughs> see ya. Thank you so much for listening to the Mind Over MRKH podcast. We will have regular new episodes, so please follow and subscribe. If you want to come for a chat, get in touch. And to everyone with MRKH, you are not alone.